Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Happy New Year, everybody. How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? Come on, come on, yeah. There we go. Come on, good, good. We're glad you're here. It's a new year. Man, can't believe it's a new year. Not just a new year, it's a new decade. You know, I still haven't wrapped my head around the fact that it's 2020. It's just hard to think. 2020, 2020. Oh, speaking of that, make sure that you are back here next weekend. Be here next weekend because Bill is starting a brand new series called 2020, and he's talking about how we can live our best life in this coming year. This is going to be an incredible series. John 10.10 talks about the fact that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came so that we have life and life to the full, and so many people are not living that full, abundant life that God has for them because they're not seeing clearly what Satan is trying to do to stop them from living that life. So this, this whole series is about giving you clarity so that you can reject what Satan is trying to do in your life and you can embrace what God wants to do in and through your life. I just can't wait to see this series. It's going to be amazing. So if you're kind of been struggling, you're just kind of like, man, I feel like my, I'm just one attack after another. I'm just kind of floundering around. This is the series for you. This is going to give you clarity. And you know people in your life right now that are struggling with things, that are dealing with things. This is going to help them. This can change your life. I just can't wait to see what God is going to do through this series. When I found out what Bill was going to be talking about, I started thinking, man, what, what, what do I need to talk about? What do I need to talk about in the first of the year that's kind of lead into to where Bill is going? And this one phrase kept coming to my head, one phrase, pay attention. Pay attention. That as we start this new year, we need to pay attention. Because let's face it, we get ourselves in more trouble. We get ourselves in the biggest messes because we don't pay attention, Right? I mean, you're not paying attention to your speed, and that's when you pass a policeman, right? You're not, you're, not, you're not paying attention to your time, and that's when you miss a deadline at work. You're not paying attention to the stove, and that's when you end up burning dinner. You don't pay attention to your kids, and you look down, and they're gone. You wonder, where do they go? Where do they go? That's actually happened to me twice, okay? That's happened twice. <laughs> First time was in Walmart. Walmart, my wife sent me to Walmart uh, to pick up something for her, and I brought uh, RJ. He was just little at the time, and, and so he's coming with me, and I don't know where anything is in Walmart, so we're walking all around Walmart trying to find it. We finally get to the aisle where it's at, and I see it, and it's up on the top of the shelf, so I reach up to get the item, and I finally pull it off, and I got it, and I look down, and he's gone. He's gone. You know, you get that panic, and you think, oh, I got to call my wife and tell her I got what she wanted, but I lost our kid. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, what's going through my head? And I'm, I'm thinking this. Well, luckily, Walmart is used to parents not paying attention. Okay, they're used to that. So they have this thing called Code Adam, and they shut down the whole store, and that's what they had to do, and, and so that nobody could come in and out. And we found them all on the other side of the, the, the store in the produce. I guess he was picking out dinner. I don't know, but we got him, and so found him out. Second time, I lost him at Disney World. Okay, I've lost them at Disney World. Yes, you all know. There's no kids there. It's easy to pick them out in that one, right? There's no kids. So we were actually having lunch. We were having lunch um, at It's a Small World. And believe me, it's anything but a small world when you can't find your kid. And so I had taken him to the bathroom. 
And after the bathroom, we were coming back to the table, and I get back to the table, and, and Cole goes, where's RJ? And I go, what do you mean? Is he not here? Where's he at? And she goes, where's my son? Where's my son? And we're just about to panic. And then all of a sudden, we hear this blood-curdling scream. I mean, it stopped everybody. Ride stopped. The whole park shut down. RJ's got my lungs. And I went, oh, found him. It's over there. So we <laughs> ended up finding RJ. Everything was fine. But the thing is, when we don't pay attention, we get ourselves in trouble, right? We get ourselves in trouble. That was actually our biggest fear when RJ got old enough to drive. It was like, man, we got a porn. You got to pay attention. You don't realize there's crazy people on the road. You have to pay attention. Parents, you're doing that to kids, especially all those that are worried right now that your kids are now getting ready to start driving. And you're thinking, man, you got to pay attention. Got to pay attention. Because I think back when I started driving, I didn't have the same distractions that the kids today have. I mean, the, the biggest distraction we did was how loud we were going to turn the radio, right? Now you got to make sure they're not looking at text, they're not looking at their phone, all this. I mean, don't look at me like I'm old. The phones haven't been around that long, okay? But we didn't have that. We didn't have to worry about the text. And so I'm telling you, you cannot look at your phone. You got to make sure you pay attention. And we want them to have a phone, right? Because we want them to be able to call us if something goes wrong. We also want to be able to track them, right? That's why, we, that's why they have phones. Kids, you got to realize, we give you phones so we know where you are. So that's what we're doing. So we want to be able to track them, but we're saying you can't use the phone when you're driving. You can't use the phone. And I'm kind of one of these crazy parents that looks out for everything. And I found this fact, it might scare some of you, but it said that if you're driving down the road at 55 miles an hour and a text goes off, in the time that you take to look and read that test, text, you have traveled the length of a football field with your eyes closed. That's how far you go. I mean, isn't that scary? And so I'm pouring this into him going, you can't pay attention to anything but the road. You got to do this. And he's going, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going fine. I'm not really sure he's getting it. I'm just really not sure he's getting it. And then I got a little support because right at the end of our driveway, our mailbox gets destroyed, not once, but twice. We are on our third mailbox, okay? We are on our third mailbox, and we've got one of those brick stone mailboxes, you know, that sits out there at the end. First time, it was a truck driver not paying attention, just knocked it to smithereens, just knocked it crazy. So we have to get it out and get it built back up, put it there. And then the next time, it was an Amazon delivery person, okay? Knocked it to smithereens. It's all smashed. We finally get it built back up, and it's where it needs to be. Then our neighbors their brick um, mailbox gets smashed by a girl texting and not paying attention. Now, luckily, the only thing that was hurt with the vehicles in the mailboxes, everybody was fine, but they saw, man, if you don't pay attention, bad things are going to happen and you're going to have to pay for it. And we need to realize that. That's why we have to pay attention as we start this new year, because if we don't, bad things are going to happen and we're going to have to pay for it. Now, Jesus talked about this very thing in one of his most famous parables. Talked about this most thing. It was at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Mary actually touched on it last week. She touched on it. She talked about this parable, and, and she read it to you out of the NIV, the, the new international version. I want to read it to you out of the NRV, the new Rob version, okay? I'm going to read out the new Rob Now, don't email me because I'm changing the Bible, okay? I'm not doing it. I'm just changing a couple words to make it fit what I'm talking about. But this is what Jesus said. He said, everyone who doesn't pay attention to these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. He said, you're all crazy if you do not pay attention to what I'm telling you. If you pay attention to something else other than what I'm telling you, it's not going to end well. That's what he's telling each and every one of us. 
If you look at the wrong thing, you're gonna get messed up. He said, because you're gonna face difficulties in life. Storms are gonna happen. The, the rains are gonna come down. The streams are gonna rise. The winds are gonna blow. And what's gonna happen? Because you're not paying attention, your house is gonna fall. It's gonna come down with a great crash. And there's a lot of you here today and there's a lot of you that are watching online that you know exactly what Jesus is talking about because your life has come crashing down because you haven't been paying attention. Maybe you weren't paying attention in your marriage and it's come crashing down and now you're paying for it. Maybe you weren't paying attention at work and it became crashing down and now you're paying for it. Maybe you weren't paying attention to your finances and it's come crashing down and now you're paying for it. Or maybe it was at school you weren't paying attention and it came crashing down and now you're paying for it. We're all gonna pay when we don't pay attention. And so today as we start this new year, I wanna give you three things that you need to pay attention to so that your world won't come crashing down. And if you're here today and you're sitting in the midst of the rubble because it has come crashing down, I wanna tell you there's hope. There's hope because we have a God of second chances and third chances. God will see you through. You can't do anything about what's been done. What's been done is done. But it's how you respond to what's been done that matters. And if you respond by paying attention to what God has for you, you'll rise out of your rubble. Proverbs 24, it says this. It says, the righteous will fall. But because they're seeking after God, they will rise again. And when you start paying attention to what God wants you to pay attention to, you will rise again. And that's my prayer for this message, that for all of you that are, that are in trouble, in a mess right now, that you will rise out of your circumstances. And for all of you that aren't, that you're going to use these tools and pay attention to make sure you don't end up in a mess. And to do that, I want to tell you a story, a story out of the Old Testament it's a story that's not that familiar. In fact, probably a lot of you haven't even heard this story before. It's found in 1 Kings. And it's a story that involves Israel's fourth king. Now, if you're familiar with ancient Israel, they had a bunch of kings, okay? They went through a series of kings. Remember, after they led out of Egypt and they wandered around for a while and they finally go into the promised land, they settle and they become this nation, all of a sudden they look around at all the other nations and they, all the other nations got kings. And they're going, wait, everybody's got a king? How come we don't have a king? And said, going, we want a king. So they start telling God, we want to be like the other nations. They all have kings. Let, let's have a king. And God says, you don't need a king. You got a me. And they go, yeah, we know we got you, but we want to be like everybody else. So give us a king. And so God let them have a king. And that's when we have Saul. Saul becomes the first king of Israel. And he reigned for about 40 years. And then after him, there was a guy you're probably familiar with, David. David becomes the next king. And after David, it was his son, Solomon. Solomon becomes king. And Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived. And then after Solomon was to be his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam is supposed to be the fourth king of Israel. Now, before I get into the story, I got to tell you about some other guy because it's very important in the story. And his name is Jeroboam. Okay, no relation. And you're going, well, who is Jeroboam? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. In 1 Kings 11, this is who Jeroboam is. Now, Jeroboam was a man of standing. Okay, this was a man of good character. This was a, a leader. People followed him. People listened to him. This guy had it going on. Well, Solomon sees this guy's got it going on. And he, he says, you know what? I'm going to put this guy in charge of my whole labor force. 
So he elevates Jeroboam to be like Solomon is the president and he takes Jeroboam and he actually now makes him like a part of his cabinet. He's now over the entire labor force. And this is a huge deal. This is a guy that's got a lot of influence now, a lot of influence over the people because at this time in Solomon's reign, he's all about building buildings and monuments unto himself. So any able-bodied person, he put in the labor force. They were all about doing this. And he had about 150,000 stone cutters. I mean, that were just all about building these buildings and these monuments to Solomon. So Jeroboam's over all of these people. He's over all of these people. And it says that about that time that Jeroboam was in this position, he was going out of Jerusalem and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. Now, here's another thing I need to kind of catch you up on. Remember in the Old Testament that every time the king stopped paying attention to God, God would raise up a prophet to speak through And at this time in Solomon's reign, he stopped paying attention to God, stopped listening to God. In fact, Solomon was basically a pagan king by that time. Now, here's here's a little side note, and I want you to pay attention to this. If the guy who's the wisest man to ever live can stop paying attention to what God wants him to do, just think about how easy it is for us to stop paying attention. But that's what's happened. He stopped paying attention to God. He becomes this pagan king. He brings in all of these other gods into Israel. They're worshiping all different kinds. So God raises up this prophet. And he goes to Jeroboam, and he's wearing this new cloak. And it's kind of the symbolism that God's about to do something new. Solomon's not paying attention, so I'm going to do something new. So the prophet takes off his coat, okay? He takes off his coat, and he starts tearing it. He's tearing his coat in front of Jeroboam into 12 different pieces. He's just tearing it. And you know Jeroboam's got to go, what are you doing? I mean, because clothing back in that time was like money. It was very valuable. And here he's taking a new cloak and he's just ripping it to shreds in front of him. And Jeroboam's got to be thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. So this is why he was doing it. It said, then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. Now, remember, the nation of Israel was made up of 12 tribes. It was all descendants of Joseph. It was the 12 tribes that made up Israel. And what God was saying is, I'm going to split it. Remember the nation of Israel split from the the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which is Judah. That's what happened. And he says, I'm going to do this because Solomon's not paying attention. This is what happens. And you now, Jeroboam, you are going to be the next king of Israel. That's what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to make you the over everything. And it's because of the fact that for my sake of my servant David... And the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes, and that's because, remember, Jesus comes through the line of David, okay? That was, it goes through that line. He said, I'm going to have them one, and that would become the southern kingdom of what's going on. So Jeroboam's hearing all this, and he can't believe what he's hearing. He's going, I was just this regular guy, then Solomon puts me up over the labor force, and now you're telling me I'm going to be the king? I'm going to be the king? So Jeroboam does what all of us would do when we find out we're going to be king, We tell people. (laughs) And so word gets back to Solomon that not his son Rehoboam's going to be king, but Jeroboam's going to be king. And he didn't like it. This is going to ruin his legacy. So what does he do? He goes after Jeroboam and tries to kill him. So Jeroboam has to leave. He's got to leave Israel and he flees to Egypt so that he won't be killed. 
This is like a Netflix miniseries, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. That's why you need to read your Bible. There's good stories in there. It's really good stuff, right? So he's out there doing this. So we got all the players, right? You got Solomon, who's this king that stopped paying attention to, to God. You got Rehoboam, his son, who's in line to be the next king of Israel. Then you have Jeroboam, who's had to flee to make sure he's alive, who God said is going to be the next king. And all of this is not going to happen until Solomon dies. And guess what? Solomon dies. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. First Kings 12. And this is what happens. It says, Rehoboam went to Shechem for all of Israel was there to make him king. Now, for all you little history buffs, Shechem actually was the, the capital of Israel back in that time. I know a lot of you think it's Jerusalem. It was actually Shechem was the capital back in that time. So Rehoboam's going there for everybody to declare him the next king. He's going in. This is the biggest day of his life. He just can't wait. He is now going to be ruler over the kingdom of Israel. He is so excited about this. This is huge. But what happens is the fact that when Solomon dies, all the people send word to Jeroboam. It's safe to come back. Come on back. So they get him back. So when Rehoboam's there to become king, guess who else is there? It's Jeroboam. And he's there with all the people. But here's a little twist at what happens. So Jeroboam's standing there, and Jeroboam, I mean, Rehoboam's standing there, and Jeroboam and all of the people, all the assembly of Israel, went to him and said this, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke that he put on us, and we will serve you. They're saying, guess what? We'll still keep it a united kingdom. I'll serve you. I'll be a part of this. We're going to give you another chance, okay? If you just change the way, because your father treated us like slaves. He treated us like slaves. Well, if you stop that, we'll all serve you. We'll all serve you. Well, Rehoboam does the first of two really smart things then. He does the two of really smart things. He hears what all the people were saying, and he takes a step back. And he says, okay. I heard you. Y'all will go away for three days. Go away for three days. Come back in three days because I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about this. That's what happened. He says, go away and then come back to me. It's the first smart decision. And for all of you, when you need, have a big thing going on or there's a big decision you have to make and you've got some pushback from some people, don't do something or say something you regret. And that's what he's doing. He's taking a step back. He's going, I don't want to do anything that might not be right. So I'm going to, I'm going to step back. I'm going, to, I'm going to take some time to think about it. And then he does the second smart thing. He does the second smart thing. He says this. He says, then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who'd served his father Solomon during his lifetime. So he goes to people that have lived longer, that are wiser, that have kind of been through it, that knew the pulse of the people that knew what was going on. And he said, listen, guys, I need advice. Here they are telling me, I got to change my ways. I got to change what, what, what my dad did so that I can be king. What do you think? What, what, what should I do? And so we asked them. He says, come on, give me the advice. Give me the advice. And this is what they say. They say, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them favorable answer, they will always be your servants. They will see you as their king. If you would just humble yourself before them, listen to what they have to say, you'll be the king. It's all going to be good. Now, I have a question for you. Just be honest. How many of you, come on, be honest, have never heard this story before? You've never heard this story. 
Okay, good. Okay, you've never heard this story. You already know what Rehoboam's gonna do, right? He's not gonna listen. He's not gonna pay attention to what the people are saying. And you know why he's not gonna pay attention? Because they're not telling him what he wants to hear. How many times do you not pay attention to counsel because they're not telling you what you wanna hear? That's not what he wanted to hear. So we find in the story that Rehoboam, he rejected the advice of the elders. Rejected the advice that gave him and he consulted with young men who'd grown up with him and who were serving him. So Rehoboam wasn't looking for counsel. He was looking for consensus. He was looking for somebody to say it was okay to do what he already wanted to do. How many times do we do that? We don't seek counsel, do we? We don't seek counsel. We want people to give us permission to do the things that we know we shouldn't be doing. And that's what gets us in trouble. And so he's seeking people that are gonna tell him things that, that he knows he wants to hear that are gonna put him in trouble, but he doesn't care because he wants it his way. And not only that, he gets people who are serving him. Well, it's to their benefit, right? I mean, they're friends with him. They're already serving him. They don't wanna mess with the king. <laughs> they don't want to tell the king something he doesn't wanna hear, so they're going along with him. So, so he goes to them, he says, okay, this is what these guys are saying, that my father was heavy on them and that, that I need to lighten the load. You tell me then, will you tell me what to have? Well, these guys know what Rehoboam wants to hear. So they said, well, this is what you do. You go back to all these people and you just stand your ground. You're the king. They need to listen to you. You make the rules. And he says this. So they go back, he said, this is what you need to tell the people. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Now, what this is meaning is back in that time, food was pretty scarce, and a lot of people were starving, trying to get food. So if you had some girth, that means you had wealth and power, okay? I'm thinking I'd be rich back in those days, right? So anyway, so if you have some, some weight behind you that, that you've got all this wealth and power, well, Solomon was the richest man to ever live. So the guy had some girth, okay? And so he's saying, you tell the people, you think my Dad had some power. I got my, my little fingers bigger than his waist. You haven't seen nothing yet. That's what you tell those people. You put them in shape. They need to listen to you. And he said, not only that, just say, you thought the, the yoke was heavy? I'm gonna make it heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I'm gonna scourge you with scorpions. Now, whips were what they used to keep slaves in line. And Ken, and, and Solomon was treating all his people like slaves. So that's what they used to keep slaves in line. Scorpions was a type of whip that they used on criminals. So what he was saying, my dad might have treated you like slaves. I'm going to treat you like criminals. That's what he's saying. Go tell these people. They don't need to be telling you what to do. You tell them what to do. But what happens three days later, everybody comes back. Everybody comes back three days later. And they all return to Jeroboam, and guess what he does? He doesn't listen to the elders, puffs out his chest, and he says exactly what the people that were agreeing said. You listen to me. You have no say-so in this. I'm not listening to you. I'm doing it my way. And it says, so the king did not listen to the people. And for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the words that the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam through Ajah, the prophet. See, God knew 
that Rehoboam wouldn't pay attention. He knew he wasn't gonna listen. And so God already had a plan in place for his people. And so when the people heard Rehoboam saying, it's not about what you want, it's about what I want. This is what the people said back to him. They said, when Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? And they're saying to this, they're going, you've excluded us from anything. So to your tents, Israel, saying, we're out of here. Look after your own house, David. They took off. They said, we don't recognize you as our king. Sorry. You want to build something? Build it yourself. Because we're not here for you. We don't look at you as our king. And they rejected him. And they took off. Now, here's the crazy thing. Rehoboam still didn't buy it. He still thought he was right. He still thought it was, he did the right thing. And so the people he had around him, he's telling him, he's going, they'll come around. They know I'm the king. They know that I'm, I'm the one that's in charge. They'll listen to me. They just, they're just a little upset right now. It's going to be okay. And so after a while, while he's still in, in Shechem, he, he sends out the new person that's over the labor force, the one that took Jeroboam's place, that's now in charge of building. He goes, it's time to get him back in. Come on, time to get him back in place. So they send him out to all the people to get everybody to back in and start building. What do the people do? Stone this poor guy to death. Said, uh-uh. We've rejected you. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And then when you find out in the, in the text what happens is when all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, they called, to him, called the assembly together and they made him king over all of Israel. And it was all because they wouldn't pay attention. And so the nation of Israel split. And because it split, it became very vulnerable. And because it was vulnerable, it became very invadable. And what you do, what you read through history is of how that the nation of Israel, both the northern and southern kingdom, were exposed and nation after nation would come in and ransack it and rule over it and demolish it because they were vulnerable. And that when we don't pay attention, we become vulnerable. We become vulnerable for Satan to come into our lives and ransack it and run it. So my question to you today is, what are you paying attention to? What are you paying attention to? What are you listening to? Because if it's not the right thing, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for your house to fall. And so let me give you three quick things that you need to be paying attention to as we start this year so that you have a great 2020. The first thing you need to pay attention to is wisdom. You need to pay attention to wisdom. You need to pay attention to wise counsel. God puts people in your uh, circle to influence you, to lead you in the right place, to make sure that you're doing the right things. 
And you need to lean on these people. You need to call out to these people. You don't need to just depend on yourself. You need to, to, to make sure that every decision you make is a smart decision and going in the right direction. So you need to listen to wisdom. We have Proverbs 19, 20. It was talking about wisdom here. It says that listen to the advice and accept instruction. This is the big word right here. Don't just be somebody who hears advice. Put it into practice. Don't be just hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Because it's when you listen and when you let that sink in, it stops you from making huge mistakes in your life. You've got to listen to counsel. And when you do this, you will gain wisdom for your future. Everything that you soak in and you start putting into practice helps you to make better decisions the next day and the next day and the next day. That's why here at the church, we're all about small groups. We want everybody in a small group. We want you to be surrounded, want you to be surrounded by people that are going in the same direction you are. Because if you're surrounded by people that are trying to get closer to God, they're going to see when you're not trying to get close to God, and they're going to help get you back on track. So if you're here this morning um, and you're not a part of a small group, make sure you go and get signed up for that. I've been in a life group for over 10 years now. And these are great people that have, that have surrounded us and we've surrounded them that kind of keep us on the right path. They pray for us. They give us advice. They support us. And that's what you need to be a part of. And so if you're not, go out and sign up for Rooted. Rooted is, is we've got a table that's out in the atrium before you leave. There's a table right there. This is how we put people into small groups. It's a 10-week study that we put you in, and that's how we filter you into these life groups. And it's about getting people around you that are going to keep you on track. So don't leave without signing up if you don't have a circle of influence that are going to keep you going. Because I guarantee you, if you don't, you're going to be back here when your world comes crashing down. Make sure you go sign up. The second thing that you need to pay attention to, you need to pay attention to your wants. You need to pay attention to your wants. Because here, listen to this. You can be your own worst enemy. You can talk yourself into doing the dumbest things. And you know what I'm talking about. You can convince yourself that what you want is the right thing. And why you have to pay attention to your wants, you gotta make sure your wants line up with God's wants. You're li- you're, you're, they have to line up with what God wants for you. Psalm 37, it says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, so many people misinterpret this verse. This isn't that God is the Santa Claus God, okay? This is not, I just make a list, I give it to God and then I wake up and it's under the tree. This is saying, delight yourself in the Lord. That means that when you put God first, when you're seeking after him first, he's the one who puts those wants in your heart and that's how you know you're lined up with his. Because you're always seeking after God. You're always trying to put him first in your life. That's how you make sure you're on the right track. Is by putting him first in your life. And final thing that you need to pay attention to this year. You need to pay attention to God's word. God's word. This is the litmus test for all of the others. How do you know you're getting wise counsel? It lines up with God's word. If somebody's telling you to do something that doesn't line up with God's word, it ain't wise counsel. How do you know your wants line up with God's? It should line up with God's word. If what you want is not what God is saying in his word, it's not the right thing. 
That's how it is. You've got to know his word. And let me tell you, being here is not the only time you need to be in the word. You need to be in this daily. Second Timothy, it says this. It said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for the teaching and, and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. What is righteousness? Right living. You want to get life right? Make sure you're in the word. Now, I know a lot of you are probably going, well, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I understand you're saying I got to be in the word, but I don't even know where to begin. You begin by opening the book, okay? There's wisdom throughout this whole book, but if you're trying to find a place to start, start, um, start in, in, in the gospel, start in Matthew. Start right at, right at there. Remember I was earlier, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermons in Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7. It's right there. It tells you how to live a Christian life, what it should look like. It's right there. Start in that point. But there's so many different things out there. There's you versions on apps that can kind of get you in the word. But you need to be in the word on a daily basis. I told you we were starting life groups. We're also starting Bible studies. We got Bible studies starting. It's a great way to get in the word. And we've got incredible Bible studies with incredible teachers. We've got, we've got uh, Elaine Burton is going to be teaching one. Uh, Jesse, you're teaching a Bible study. It's going to get everybody in the word. Great teachers that you can sit under that are going to get you in the word. And that's what's going to keep you on the right path as far as you're doing. We also have, if you go to metchurch.com, we have a life app that goes with every single message. Every single week, there's a life application that gives you, lets you go a little bit deeper into the message and it gives you um, verses and, and Bible study for every day of the week between. Go to the life app. You can download it right there. It gets you in the word. I'm going to leave you this one thing. And it's a, it's a verse that all of you have heard before. It's out of Psalm, Psalm 119. And it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. Would anybody put on a flashlight right now? We don't need it, do we? I can see all of y'all. You can see me. I can see where to go. So why would I need a lamp? How does this verse even make sense? Well, what God is trying to say to you is you're fooling yourself because you think you know the right way. You think you can see where you're going, but the truth is we live in a dark world. We live in a fallen world. And the only way that you can make sure that you're going down the right path is to follow God's word. That's the only way. In life, you're going to be able to get what you want, but the problem is it takes you to where you don't want to be. But if you start paying attention to God's word, he's going to lead you down to the path where you want to end up. And that's where you'll have your greatest life. So as we start 2020, pay attention to wisdom, to the counsel around you. Pay attention to make sure your wants line up with God's wants and pay attention to God's word because he will lead you down the path for you to have an incredible 2020. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you're that invested in us, that you have a plan for each and every one of us and that it's our job to just trust you and walk in that plan. Help us to understand that you want the best for us, that you're just not some cosmic killjoy who just wants to make life boring and, and mundane, that you actually have a full, abundant life that you want for us. 
Help us to understand that so that we will always trust and follow you through all things. And God, help those that are here this morning or they're watching online that are sitting in the rubble right now. They're sitting in their mess because they weren't paying attention. Help them to know and understand that you have a plan for them. You have a plan. And if they respond to you and they start paying attention to you and they start walking in your ways, that man, they're gonna rise again out of these this rubble out of this mess. God, keep us on that right track. And if there's anybody here today that has never started that relationship, has never started that journey with God, you know God has been speaking to you this whole time. He's been knocking on your heart. He's been telling you, see, you've just been struggling trying to do this on your own and you're floundering in life. And I just wanted you to know that I love you and I want the best for your life. So right where you are, right where you are, open up your heart. God's saying, open up your heart to me. Tell God that you believe that he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you. And on the third day, he rose again so that you could have a full life. If you believe that and you surrendered your life to him, You're starting your journey, a journey to your best life. God, we just thank you for all that you do. We thank you for being there for us. Help us as we leave this place to pay attention to your ways. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision or you have any prayer needs, we've got people up here who would love to pray with you and talk to you about that. Again, be back next weekend because I can't wait for this series that Bill's starting called 2020 and bring somebody with you. You have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.